What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Genesis Invitational coming off of a massive week in Phoenix going to another massive week in L.A. I'm home in Vegas for one day. Okay, back from Phoenix. It was awesome to get out there. It was also to meet some of you. And it's so different to be able to take in a golf tournament from the course and see these guys play and sit hit every single shot. I'll, I'll talk about more of that in just a second. Headed back out to Riviera uh, on Tuesday. So happy to be home, but it will be short-lived. I'll take you through a data-driven look at this week's course, Riviera, and then also uh, the field and anything else that comes up. We will run a custom model at the end of the show. And everything that I show you is going to be from my website, rickrungood.com, which is just a giant uh, database for golf betting and fantasy. So I hope you enjoy. Let's do it. This is the course. It's, it's Riviera. Uh, I think even to the harshest of critics, Riviera is going to get just top-notch grades from everybody. It is a challenging golf course. It is a well-designed golf course, and it asks you for a lot of different things, which is always fun, right? There is not uh, the opportunity to hit the same shot over and over and over again. Uh, statistically, when you start looking at uh, the model and you start looking at this, the stats from Riviera, you'll notice a couple of things. Very low fairway percentage. You don't hit a lot of fairways. In fact, some of the lowest rates on the PGA Tour. You don't hit a lot of greens. Some of the lowest rates on the PGA Tour. It is because Riviera generally plays pretty firm and fast, right? And when you have balls even that land in the fairway and they run out on undulation, they roll out of, out of the fairway. The contrast from last week is going to be that um, since everyone is going to be missing fairways, distance seems to be more important, at least in my opinion, and also when you look at the key stats model. So this is just a simple regression model that looks at uh, the last handful of years and the last handful of uh, years in terms of statistics, and it finds the types of golf players that, the types of golfers, golf players, that's something I've never said before. I'm running on very little sleep right now. Uh, the, the types of golfers who have success at every single golf course, and look what you see here. Driving accuracy is like, non-existent in terms of correlation to success. Uh, it's 43rd out of 50 PGA courses, which means there's only a handful of golf courses in which driving accuracy is less important. It was actually negatively correlated to success. Driving distance, on the other hand, highly correlated, ninth, which means there's only eight other courses in which driving distance is more important. Makes sense, right? If everybody is playing out of the rough, the guys who are closer to the green are going to have success. Uh, it is the same. It, 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 Bryson at winged foot is the extreme example of what we saw. It's it's the easy one to go back and just and just reference that one, but it, it's kind of similar around this place. The other thing that you'll note is because you're missing a lot of greens, strokes gained around the green is very important. Tenth. Uh, on the PGA Tour, which means there's not only nine other courses in which strokes gained around the green is more important. Then we're back on Poana greens that run very fast for Poa. 12 and a half on the stimp is what we've got going into the week. And they are very difficult from five feet and in, 10 feet and in. Um, they're more subtle. They're hard to read. And Poa in general is just a, a more variant uh, putting surface where things are going to kind of get a little haywire. Some guys love it. Some guys do not. The 
other aspects about this. Um, you're not going to get a lot of flat lies. You're not going to get a lot of even lies. There's a lot of balls above your feet, a lot of hanging lies. You're going to have to be able to move the ball left to right, right to left. You're going to have to be a little bit creative. I want to circle back to the driving distance argument because while or excuse me, with driving accuracy uh, argument because driving accuracy is is in theory not important, but there's a lot of different ways to play this golf course, which is why it makes it so great. There's just a million options, so I don't necessarily box out the short, accurate guys, obviously, but I would prefer distance. I would prefer some savviness around the greens. I would prefer some experience, some good positive experience, either here at Riviera or on Poet and, you know, West Coast Poet in general. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is just another stacked field. We're however many minutes into this, and I haven't even mentioned that Tiger Woods is playing in this event, which is absolutely crazy, something that we'll get to in just a second. But um, Riviera, the golf course, might steal the show this week. It is so, so good. Television never does it justice. I can't wait to get out there. The 10th hole is probably my favorite hole in the PGA Tour. It's a very short par four in which you can see uh, a lot of birdies and you can see guys make triple, right? I mean, and there's no hazard. There's no penalty stroke out there for you. It's just a diabolical little hole that gives you options and it is not easy. This tiny little long and tiny green, it's nuts. So um, looking forward to it very much. Let's talk about the field. Here's the cheat sheet. There are four golfers over $10,000. John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, all well-deserving of this. Let's just start with John Rahm. I spent a lot of time uh, this week walking with, with Rahm's groups. I saw a lot of the shots that he hit. Um, I mean this in the nicest way possible. He did not have anywhere close to his best stuff last week in Phoenix. And I think he'll tell you that. And to still finish third in what was the deepest field of the year so far in a major championship-like field is beyond impressive. His B-minus stuff is better than, like, everybody else all the time. It, it, it's really incredible. And the one thing that I've noticed about John Rahm, and you'll, you'll see this, he is not hitting that little baby cut or power fade it's it's kind of a slice right now right it, it, the dispersion is much wider which at tpc scottsdale is really troublesome right you start bringing in uh desert and cactus and all this other stuff and it, it kind of plays you out of it the more you miss the fairway riviera is I guess similar in a sense, but I do like the idea that if everyone is going to be playing out of the rough or more guys in general are going to be playing out of the rough, John Rahm able to take advantage of his distance there. And he is, at least of the longer guys, the one more likely to play out of the fairway. The other thing I like about John Rahm is he's got every single shot in the bag, right? He can work it in every direction. He's got all nine windows. So, I actually think this is a better setup for him than last week was. If you look at his stat profile, um, from tee to green, he's been phenomenal. The short game, I mean, the hands that he has are absolutely savvy. He's lost strokes around the green just once in his last seven starts. That was at Torrey Pines, kind of faded on Sunday. Um, he does not have his best stuff right now. I think that's very clear. We saw him capitulate a bit 
on Sunday at Torrey Pines. We saw him rinse one on 15 in Phoenix last week, which kind of put the dagger in his chances. But still, it's a T7. It's a third. It's back-to-back wins to start the year. I mean, it, it, it's it's so good even when he doesn't have his best stuff. Um, Scotty Scheffler is next. And, and we've spent a lot of oxygen on Scotty Scheffler on this channel. I know a, a lot of us, myself included, played him in one and done last week. If I just looked, if I just took this stat, maybe I'll do this. I'll just take this stat profile and I'm just going to mix it up, right? Like right now it's chronological. I'm just going to mix up this stat profile and you would have very, you'd have a very difficult time looking at his stat profile out of order and identifying his wins and identifying his top tens or his events that he struggled in. Obviously, this is a big struggle here where he loses, you know, seven strokes in the short game categories at the CJ Cup. But otherwise, this the the thing that's so exciting about Scotty is you get you've gotten the same thing every single week for like 18 months. He is an elite tee to green player who only needs to gain a little bit with the putter to win. So let's look at the power rankings and see where he is in terms of uh, tee to green play. Here's the last 50 rounds. This is probably six months or so for Scotty. Oh, uh, he is second in this field from tee to green to just Rory McIlroy. And there's a pretty big gap from Rory to Scotty, and then a pretty big gap from Scotty to Tony Fee. Now, if we go 100 rounds, which is usually like a year for most of these guys, we'll see if that helps Scotty or hurts him. I bet you it, oh, I thought it was going to help him. It's exactly the same. Rory, number one, Scotty, number two. You do get JT at three. Uh, Rom at four, and then Matt, uh, Will's, Will's Altoris, excuse me, at five. So Scotty has been doing the Scotty thing for a year. I was on CBS Sports talking, obviously talking about this event a lot uh, while we were in Phoenix, and the way that I felt was that Rom was getting the most out of having his B minus game and Scotty was just playing to his averages, right? He didn't, he never did anything spectacular. He never did anything horrible. He just did what he did. So again, two guys with super high floors, um, at the top of the board, Rory and JT, uh, this is a bit more of a, a nuanced, so let's talk about these two. Two things Rory struggled with last week. He didn't drive it particularly well. He still gained three strokes off the tee, but it was the least since his win at the Tour Championship. He's usually a four, five, six uh, strokes gained off the tee player, and he lost 3.2 with the putter, which is, again, his worst since the BMW Championship. If you start loading up his results around Riviera, I think it looks a lot better. He gained five strokes on these greens last year uh, in 2022. He has gained strokes in four of his six trips with the putter. One of them was like a dead zero, and then he lost a ton in 2021. So generally a lot of good stuff. And I think this is, again, a better setup for him. TPC Scottsdale off the tee does not set up well for Rory's eye, his shot shape, or anything else. Uh, Riviera should be able to provide a much better sight line for him, and you can see it in the results. It's six trips. It's five of them are inside the top 20. Three of them are inside the top 10. And... I wonder what people are going to do after Rom continues to dominate. Scotty gets the victory. Rory struggles to a 32nd place finish last week. And then JT, who flew up the leaderboard. I want to look at JT's stat profile because JT was grinding, especially like after Thursday's round at the back of the range. He was looking for something. He was looking for something. His, uh, him, his, his dad was out there. Uh, Bones was out there. They were grinding. And I think they might have 
found it, right? Because he got better each and every round last week. He closed with a 64, 65, something like that. Flies up the leaderboard. It was a very, very quiet fourth place finish. You probably never saw, I don't I don't know what the coverage looked like, but you might not have seen a single Justin Thomas shot in route to a fourth place finish. But this is what you want to see. This is the stat profile that we've talked about. The struggles on approach from the Scottish Open to the Tournament of Champions. Now we have two straight events in which he's gained multiple strokes on approach. The Farmers was three measured rounds, so he gained at least a stroke per round on approach at Farmers, and he gained four last week in Phoenix. So now we have seven consecutive measured rounds in which he has gained at least one stroke on approach. That is the Justin Thomas blueprint. One stroke on approach. That's the Justin Thomas blueprint. His, his around the green play uh, does not get the credit it deserves. Uh, it, he is so good. He's got all the shots. The putter's always a problem, but he's been closer to zero as of late. I want to see if he's got what his historic putting numbers are here at Riviera. Does this place have it? They're all over the place. Plus four last year, minus six the year before, plus six two years before that, plus four, minus three. I mean, it's these are all over the place, but this feels like a better spot to buy on JT. I don't know what the ownership's going to look like at the top of the board, but if you're going to get one round on approach off the uh, uh one round on approach, one stroke per round on approach, sorry, you're going to get a savvy short game and can he gain two strokes with the putter? That would be the path to him winning this golf tournament. When you get a field like this just absolutely stacked, the 9k range is going to be awesome. And 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 it's so hard to split hairs here, especially because a lot of these guys have so much good course history. They're playing well. It's Xander. It's Max Homa. You know, Finau, Sungjae, Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, and Patrick Cantlay. That's the 9K range. So a couple that stand out to me. Let me highlight Tony Finau here for a second. Um, Again, you're going to need a complete game at Riviera. You're going to need to hit your second shots well. Distance is certainly a benefit, and you need to be stout around the greens. Well, look at Tony Finau's stat profile. A lot of that stuff fits, right? He's He's not the world's best player around the greens, but he's good enough. He's gained in each of his last two. He's gained in four of six, or excuse me, five of six. The only time he lost in that stretch was the Tournament of Champions. He lost 0.1 around the green. So rarely does he lose you in a big way. More often, he's going to gain you around the greens. The two, the, the two most recent starts for him have been struggles with the putter. Uh, he snapped a streak of at least in terms of measured events, like nine straight events, uh, strokes gained with the flat stick. He loses at Torrey, still finishes T9, loses more in Phoenix, still finishes T14. So then you go and you say, okay, well, what has he done around Riviera? Well, we, we all remember, uh, at least I remember, the playoff loss to Max Homa in 2021. I think I had a 35-1 to 1 ticket on Tony Fee. Now, that's the one where Homa gets up and down from the tree at 10, the base of the tree, and go extends the playoff, which is sick. But look at what Finau's done. In three of his last five trips, he's gained at least six strokes on approach. Very, very good. The putter, at least in recent years, his last five years, he's gained in three of them. The two losses were one stroke and 1.7. The wins were three and 4.9. So he can kind of get hot on these greens. He kind of shook. When he first started, um, I mean, he was pretty bad at Riviera. The last five years, he's he's seemingly got, gotten it figured out. So 
Um, this is a stat profile that looks like a guy that if he just putts to the way he was putting a couple of weeks ago and he gains two strokes with the putter is likely to be in the mix. The other one is Sam Burns. You know, Sam Burns, I don't, again, I didn't see any of the coverage because I was there, but I, I don't know what the discord around Sam Burns was at Phoenix, but from what I saw, I thought he played great. He drives it so well. He has the ability to get hot on his second shots, to roll the rock, and look at his short game. Really, really good. Gained three last week in Phoenix. Phoenix is a place where you've, like, there are some tough shots around the green in Phoenix. And he gains three strokes there, 1.6 at the American Express. That would have only been two measured rounds. So basically, that's the same average in each of his last two uh, measured events. He generally gains in these categories. What's it? Oh, and remember, before I even pull up his history, he held the lead going into the back nine. I think it was two years ago. It was probably the home a year. He had a multiple shot lead going into the back nine um, here at Riviera. Yeah, it was. He, he ended up finishing third that year, missed the cut in 2022. T23 in 2020, missed the cut in 2019. So a little bit of a mixed bag, but we know that he can at least find success around this place. I think he's on the verge, right? Like that that's a stat profile that looks like he's on the verge to me. Also quickly uh, on Morikawa, I have no problem going back to him. I bet him last week. I thought he was going to be great. As soon as we got there Thursday morning and the wind was up, I was regretting everything. You know, I think the evidence is building a little bit that Morikawa is not particularly strong in the wind. And when I was following him around, I, I saw multiple shots just get just get swatted. And I think we're building a portfolio of, of those types of shots. And it's not a knock against him. When you have one amazing shot, why would you try to pull off a bunch of different shots? I just don't know if he has enough shots in the wind. So I hate to be like the wind guy, but... Uh, you know, if it's pretty calm, like I would imagine we're going to get at Riviera this week, I'll have to look later in the week, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, live chat. The Maybe I'll move it up this week if I want to go to the golf course on Wednesday. Actually, maybe I'll leave it at noon so I can go to the golf course in the morning. Or, th well, it'll be 3 p.m. Eastern. So I can go to the golf course in the morning and then come back and answer questions. Maybe, that, maybe that's what I'll do. So I'll probably leave it. But if we get benign conditions... It's obviously a great spot for him. The fact that he even gained a stroke, 1.7 on approach last week after the shots that I saw him hit, uh, I'm impressed. So loses 4.3 in the short game categories, well within his range of outcomes. You you have to accept that as a possibility, right? He did it at the CJ Cup. He did it at the Tour Championship. But you can also accept in the range of outcomes the 5.2 around the green that he gained at the tournament, or excuse me, 5.2 in the short game categories, gained around the green at the Tournament of Champions, even Chili dipping a couple on Sunday. Um, you got to take both sides of it with Morikawa. The $8,000 range. This is, again, very, very interesting. So um, I think most people would say, wow, Victor's played really well here. But why, right? His short game isn't particularly strong. These are larger than tour average green, 7,500 yards. You've got to hit the correct spot because he is so good at the ball striking categories because he does chase the angles around Riviere. You might see him play down the incorrect fairway at times here. And because he is aggressive, um, if you can pull it off, you can get into the right quadrants. But yeah, it's kind of a, a little bit of a unique situation where he's got back-to-back -to -back top five finishes and like he's much better around the greens now, but is not a particularly strong player there. The 
the guy that's probably most, I think there's two that are really interesting. So Hideki's pretty interesting, right? He's $8,200. He is certainly long enough off the tee. Um, the one part of his game that he's struggling with right now is the approach play. He lost 4.7 strokes in Phoenix last week and finished T29. You should not be able to finish T29 losing 4.7 strokes at a golf tournament on approach. You should you should not be allowed to. So was awesome off the tee, 3.6 there. That was his best driving week since his win at the Sony in 2022. And then before that, the 2021 BMW uh, FedEx Championship, FedEx St. Jude has gained at least three three strokes around the green in each of his last three measured events. He has gained at least two strokes around the green in five straight. He has gained with the putter in eight of his last nine. So, I think we can say the short game part we've got figured out. The driver has been better in 2023. We just need Hideki to play to his DNA which is elite ball well elite second shot player. So that that's what we're asking here. Is that I don't believe that that's that big of an ask. Um Matt Fitzpatrick is the other one. Fitzpatrick is so well rounded. Could you could you see Matt Fitzpatrick winning this golf tournament? Absolutely we could. He is longer now than ever, incredibly well rounded. The short game is there. Um he he statistically he hasn't been as sharp, but let me show you his results, if I can spell Genesis, at this event in the past, T5 last year, where he gained across the board, T3, or excuse me, it was in 2021, he did not play last year, and then T30 in 2020, has gained strokes on approach in both, gained three strokes around the green, and two and, two and a half with a putter last year. He is a much more complete player now than he has ever been. Couple of quick nuggets here. Jordan Spieth being able to tap into his creativity around Riviera, I think is great for him. It, it just asks for everything. Tom Kim, who is so good everywhere, but lacks distance. And people are going to look at the model and say, oh, distance matters so much this week. It's like, yeah, kind of. But when you're this good um, and everybody else in this 8K range is probably going to get some looks, I'll be interested to see what the industry does with Tom Kim. And then finally... Terrell Hatton's been probably a lot better than most people realize. He finished T6 in Phoenix last week. Look at the ball striking numbers. So he's gained off the tee. Now, this is this goes back to there, there, he's got a couple of European tour events in here that are not measured. But in terms of measured events, six straight measured events off the tee, he's gained six straight on approach. He's gained. He has been within uh, one stroke of zero in both directions in every event in his during that same stretch. Uh, and the putter's been very good. And the results are there, right? Abu Dhabi finished T7. Phoenix, he finished T6. You go back to the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai. It was a runner up there. CJ Cup in, in South Carolina, T13. So the, he, he hasn't played a ton, and he hasn't played a ton on the PGA Tour. But when he's played, he's played really, really well. And I think it's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. And I cannot imagine he's going to be particularly popular. Because I imagine a lot of people are going to opt for like this 7 K range here where Ricky's here. Ricky's got an 11th place finish and a 10th in back-to-back weeks. Um, you know, Keegan has been great, right? Top 20 finished inside the top 20 again last week. It was a runner up at Tory Pines. Um, you know, has been in the mix. He won the Zozo champion. He's just been, he's just been in the mix. The one that I think is most interesting is Sahith. And I, and I've said this a million times and I'll, I'll just say it again. I don't generally get him right, but I'm pretty sure 
this is a lot better. This is such a TPC Scott Scottsdale is not a good spot for him. It's not. He finished he finished T39. He lost five strokes on approach. Um after coming off the the plus six on approach at at Tory Pines. What what is the difference between Tory Pines and Phoenix? Well, Phoenix, the more inaccurate you are, the worse situation you're going to get. Tory Pines, not necessarily. You're going to be in the rough and it's going to be thick. But if you are one foot into the rough, it is the same as being, you know, 30 feet into the rough. And if every, if we get a low fairway rate, like we generally do, and everyone plays out of the rough, that helps Sahith. And you're looking at a very inconsistent golfer who has gotten at least a little more consistent, right? He's not missing cuts as as frequently anymore. And he's got high-end finishes happening at a more rapid rate. T5 at the Zozo, T2 at the RSM Classic, T4 at the Farmers. That's all within his last eight starts. So three top fives in his last eight starts. So he is he is tightening it up a little bit. He is still one of the most wildly inconsistent golfers on the PGA Tour, but he is tightening it up. Speaking of consistency, here's the strokes gain distribution for last 50 rounds. I, I, I love this table. And you'll see Sahith is the third, third highest ceiling of anybody in the 7K range. Actually, I guess it's the second highest ceiling because he's tied with Alex Noren. They gain five or more strokes 8% of the time. The only 7K guy during this 50-round stretch that gains five or more strokes more frequently is Taylor Montgomery. 7600 bucks. He gains it 12% of the time, which is the same rate as Rory and Tony Finau, believe it or not. So yeah, it's it's been pretty obviously a pretty good run for Taylor Montgomery, but it shows you Alex Noren, Sahith are high-end players. Actually, Bo Hostler's in here as well. Hostler either has... Um, just like not good rounds or great rounds, right? He gains, he gains strokes at all 58% of the time and gains five or more 6% of the time. So his, his, his ceiling is basically that of Sam Burns and his floor is basically that of Aaron Rye, which is always fun. I like to use the comps like that. Um, John Rahm's, John Rahm's floor is like Nick Taylor's ceiling which is crazy, right? If you flip the 7K range around and look at last 32, just strokes gain total. Noren's up there. He's coming off the missed cut. He missed the cut on the number last week. He's been he's been great besides that. Uh, Lucas Herbert made the cut, but it was his worst finish in his last four starts. But again, just make the cut, 7,200 bucks. The one guy that does stand out that I think is pretty interesting is Wyndham Clark. I, again, was able to follow a lot of Wyndham Clark's rounds, uh, or not round, but he was with he was with Spieth and Scotty, I think. Was it Saturday? I can't remember, but whatever that was. Um, and he held his own. I was actually pretty impressed with the two Canadians, Hadwin, Taylor, Wyndham Clark. They held their own for a while. Wyndham Clark, very long off the tee. In fact, he's probably the longest in the 7K range. He is also probably one of the best around the green in the 7K range. Him and Tommy Fleetwood are probably up there. He's got two top 10 finishes in his last four starts, and he has two top 20s or really top 17s in his last three trips. I think it was he DQ'd in 2022. That's usually what that means. I don't know if he signed the wrong scorecard or something. But let's look up his um let's look up his stat profile here. Yeah, I mean, T10 at the RSM. He hasn't missed a cut since Shriners. Has gained three and a half strokes and four and a half strokes on approach in the last two weeks. The driver 
has actually kind of let him down. He's lost a stroke and a stroke and a half in the last two weeks, but he's very, very long. Around the green, he's gained in five straight. That's got to be a big improvement for him, right? No, he's pretty good around the greens. And the putter, I mean, Wyndham Clark might be an, a, like a legitimate a good play. I'm not sure I've ever said that. Wyndham Clark might be a, a legitimate good play. What did, did he get DQ'd? I mean, he looked like he was out of it. He lost, he lost seven and a half strokes tee to green last year. I got to look up what he did. Did he just like not turn in his scorecard? Let's take a guess. I'm going to go with did not turn in his scorecard after playing crap. He signed a wrong scorecard. Close enough. Um, okay. Is it time? Do we, do we do it now? Do we do it? Okay. The man, the myth, the legend, the big cat is $7,300. So first off, just to put this into perspective, Tiger Woods is the same price as Alex Noren, who I just told you is the best raw strokes gained uh, player in the 7K range. JT Poston, who has 21st, 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 6th, then he just missed the cut. Tom Hoagie, who's been playing better. Tommy Fleetwood, who's been great. They are all $7,300. I think you can get where I'm going with this, right? Um, as much as I love the cat. What is the path to playing him? It can't it can't be. Right? There cannot be a path to playing him, right? So it was kind of a surprise for for most that he announced he was going to play this event. I guess it makes sense where if he wants to get some reps in before major championship season, doesn't want to get to the Masters um, prior with probably with no competitive reps. And he's going to be here anyway to hand out the trophy. He's the host. He's the ambassador. He might as well just play. We have only seen him in majors and matches for a long time. It's been over 800 days since he's played a non-major PGA Tour event. The 2020, October of 2020, the Zozo Championship finished T72. So he does not have a top 40? No, his, he has a top a T37 to 2020 PGA Championship. He does not have a top 35 in three years. Now, it's about 12 events or so. The stat profile is not very good. He's lost off the tee in six straight. I can't believe I'm breaking this down like it's an actual, like there's an actual thing to be done here. Lost strokes off the tee in six straight. Uh, lost strokes on approach in three out of four. He has lost strokes with the putter all but twice since this event in 2020. I, I, I hope to God I watch Tiger Woods win the Genesis Invitational. However, when you start comping him to the other very competitive golfers in global golf at the same price, it's, it's almost pretty inconceivable to play Tiger. Also, as if that was not enough, Okay, Tiger's graded on a different scale, but this is like the worst place he's ever played, right? I mean, he's got a bunch of runner-up finishes, but this is the place he's played the most without a win. It, again, it's a different scale for Tiger, but I don't know. Like, what are we, what are we possibly going to do with this? Just not play him and root for him, right? That's the only thing we can do. We just root that he go. I mean, if you really want action, go, I don't know, go bend to make the cut or something. But this is, um, I think this is just a, a trial run to see what, see what happens with the body. That that's what I think is happening here. I hope we get some really good moments and he feels good and all that fun stuff. But I, I do like my job here is to look at this pretty objectively from a statistical standpoint and a, you know, dollar sign 
standpoint, and and I I just could not possibly imagine playing Tiger. The six thousand dollar range, man, we are gonna get burnt by Adrian Moronk again, aren't we? Right. So let's pull up Moronk's profile. I think I think I was in on him. Whatever this one missed cut was, I'm pretty sure I was in on him then. No, it would have been oh, it would have been Bermuda. He was ten thousand three hundred. He missed the cut. Yeah. So since then, since then, he's been pretty good. Finished seventh in Dubai, DP World Tour Championship, huge event on the European Tour. He won the Australian Open. He was part of the winning team at the Hero Cup. He finished T10 at the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. He missed the cut in Dubai. And then he finished T4, was that last week? Two weeks ago at the Ras Al Kamai Championship. The stats that we have from the European Tour, I do have the strokes gain metrics. So, uh, or for most of these events at least. Very good off the tee. He's very long. Second shots, great. Around the green, great. I mean, this is, I'm going to get burned again. It's such a great stat profile. He's coming off great play. Has he played here before? I don't think so. No, he hasn't. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to pass him up. I guess, I'll, I guess I'll be that sucker and go right back to him. Sam Ryder feels like he's getting pretty close. Um, he, he needs to clean up a few things and hold, he's, he's capable of making a big number or having like a three or four hole stretch where he kind of punts some of these tournaments away, but he's got three top twenties in his last six. The last two are a T20 in Phoenix, uh, elevated event, obviously, and a T4 at the farmers, which yes, should have, would have, could have won it. Okay. But golf is hard. Winning is hard. The approach play is strong. The putting is strong. The around the green play is adequate. He's just going to have to clean up a couple of bad holes, but he's still living in that, you know, $6,000 range. He's seemingly getting a little bit more confident out there. It, it feels like he's putting it together. That That's what it feels like. It's what the stat profile looks like. And um, this wouldn't be, this wouldn't be an awful spot for him. He finished 26th last year. All right, let's actually, let's just run a model here and see what it pumps out. So custom model, rickrungood.com. Okay, I got to I gotta adjust my brain a little bit here because we want to, we actually do want to put some pretty significant weight like on around the green play. So we're going to put 25 around the green, something that I generally do not do. Um, then we will do putting on POA for 20. We will then put a little sprinkle of course history, 10, on strokes gained Riv and five on strokes gained Augusta National. Yeah, the the off the tee very different, but the undulation, the requirement of of short game of short game components, I think is pretty interesting. Okay, so we've got forty left to work with. We can do let's do uh, distance for. I mean, we should weigh it pretty pretty heavily. Eighteen. So we've got twenty two left. We'll do approach play. Let's do last 24 approach play for 15. That gives us seven left. Let's then just do... Let me think about this. We could just do the implied odds. Let's do that. Seven on implied odds. My number one golfer is... Yep. Rory McIlroy. Number two, John Rahm. Number three, Justin Thompson. No surprise, no surprise, no surprise. Here, here are the couple surprises. Adam Scott is fourth. So this is really interesting because I, what I put into the model is, is what I would define as course fit, right? Whether you've played this golf course or not, I would call it course fit. 
Adam Scott has played well here before. Actually, I see he's won this event before. Right? This is is this his last win? 2020, 2019? I can't remember, but he's played well. He's played well here before. Obviously gets the Augusta crossover comps and the rest of it is pretty strong as well. Hideki is 5. So those are two guys who are in the $8,000 price range, 4 and 5. Scotty is 6, no surprise. Cantlay 7, Xander 8, Victor a little bit of a surprise at 9 because he's $8,900. He is he is higher ranked than some of his uh, higher priced peers. Will Zalatoris is 10. You do get some surprises after this. Look at this. KH Lee's 11, Wyndham Clark is 12, Tommy Fleetwood is 13 because of the around the green play. Sungjae, 14, Adrian Moronk, 15. Yeah, I know. I hate it too. We're going to do it together. Spieth 16, Patrick Rogers 18, Matt Fitzpatrick, or excuse me, Matt Patrick Rogers 17, Matt Fitzpatrick 18, Tony Finau 19. I'll just give you 20. Uh, Max Homa. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, cool. So looks like the kind of outliers in my power rankings are Scott and Hideki uh and KH Lee and Wyndham Clark and Adrian Moronk. Like those are the guys that I'll probably be be heavier on. I'll save this model. We can talk about it on Wednesday. So 2023 Riv, and we'll see what happens. So here here's the schedule. So I appreciate your patience. It's you know being on the road um, is nuts, but but everything should be generally the same this week. You know Tuesday betting preview, uh, Wednesday live chat, Wednesday power hour. Um, I'll do run good prop stuff as well if I can if I can find uh, some time. But I appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.